Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special edition of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. And we are very, very blessed to have you with us on this night. Uh, You hear from us very often, it should really roll right off your tongue right now, that we're about more than a moment, but a movement. And what does that mean? There's a lot of wonderful activities in our church, more than I ever recall in my 48 meager years of life, um, things that open the door for us to more fully encounter Jesus and to live him out. And uh, we're about uh, it being more than just that weekend activity or the six-week series, but to discover this great adventure alive in our homes, in our marriages, that that's really where it is is lived fully, connected, of course, to our parishes. And uh, we want to invite you, before we get to our wonderful guest tonight and a great program tonight we have for you, just want to make this invite for you to join us at the most awesome, huge, big Catholic family gathering. It's the second Ignite Catholic Family Festival. It's going to be August 13th, and we've got discounted tickets on sale right now if you go to Ignite Family. Eventbrite.com. Again, ignitefamily.eventbrite.com. And when we say Ignite Family, we don't just mean a married couple with kids under the roof. You can go there, and we encourage you to go there and register as an individual, register as an elderly person, register as a young person, come as a parish group. This is truly the Catholic family, and you're going to experience, I think, a very powerful day of renewal on August 13th at uh, Holy Trinity Parish in Swanton. So, um, Yeah, go right now to ignitefamily.eventbrite.com. So with no further ado, um, we have had, many of you have been tuned in, two series called Porn to Purity. Um, We've had our brother, Pastor Bo, who has a lot of knowledge of the stats and the sociological portrait of truly this, uh, this malady, this epidemic, this problem that is afflicting many individual souls, that is afflicting marriages, that is afflicting entire communities called pornography. And um, we thought it would be wonderful to have with us, and we've often thought it would be a really a great thing to have with us, somebody who's really on the front line, somebody who's really, you know, intermixed with people who are really struggling with this in a big way. So, Steph, how did we meet our brother Jim Geller? Well, first, I just want to say one thing. Um, for any of you listening with families or little children, it might be time to give them a different activity or uh, distract them with something else because some of the content of tonight's um, radio program might not be appropriate for them. So Great point. just giving you that little moment here. Um, so our wonderful guest, Jim Geller, we had the great blessing. I think we initially met while we were at St. Peter in Huron doing um, one of our ignition nights there mm-hmm. and now have gotten to know both he and his wonderful, beautiful wife, Trenda, through our core mission group, which we are privileged to walk alongside. What is a core mission group? I wish I had something like really snappy and witty to say about it, but <laughs> you caught me off guard. Um, it's just a real privileged group uh, to to grow together in the Lord through personal family and parish discipleship. So this is a committed group of about 12 of us, I believe, Yep. give or take, um, I think give, um, who meets, we meet every other week as a, as a core mission team and just really encourage each other and pray with each other. And we do the Lit Gathering Guide together. And What's the Lit Gathering Guide? The Livid Gathering Guide, which you can download at massimpact.us. So it's um, to share different victories and challenges and to pray together and to um, grow in fellowship and love of the Lord, basically 
focusing on the upcoming Sunday readings and mm-hmm. just really sharing in that way. But it's meant to be a catalyst to help um, parishes grow and to grow both more deeply and also in numbers. So, um, so the goal is parish, uh, family and parish revival, really. The goal of this is to get families and parishes, everybody in the parish, uh, connected in living our faith together in a vital way. And this group exists to, first of all, strive to do it ourselves. And then there's an overflow, we call it. You've heard us speak of empty, fill, and overflow, where it overflows to other groups. So enough said on that, but we met our brother Jim Geller in that capacity, and uh, we're so blessed to see what God is doing with this particular group. So we warmly welcome you tonight, Jim. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm glad that um, this is all uh, transpired. Amen. uh, uh, I've been looking forward to this. Well, we had troubles last week, of course, and we know the enemy does not want us to be talking about this because family images the Trinity and sexuality has everything to do with intimacy with God in a sacramental way. So the enemy doesn't want that to to happen. So before we go further, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved, your particular role right now, and how you got involved in this particular role. Well, I'm uh, I'm a cradle Catholic. I have since the, the time I was born, and I have been very active in St. Uh, St. Peter's Church in Huron, which has been a, a tremendous blessing. And um, hey, I second uh, that. In, I second that. What a oh, special community. What a wonderful pastor. Just a true blessing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my other blessing in my life is my wife, Trenda, who has made me a better Catholic every day, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, when you have... When you, when you actually have a partner, and that's the way it should be, you talk about family, uh, that really is, is, is enhances everything that I do every day. Right. And it's, um, I, can, I can tell you a little bit about where I came from. Um, uh, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in counseling, but um, when I took on the position, I'm, I'm in community uh, corrections, and I work with juveniles. I've only worked with juveniles. Um, which is a mirror image of what happens to us. And uh, about 12, 13 years ago, I attended um, a special training from the University of Kentucky in uh, sex offender treatment. And um, it was aimed at teenagers because mm-hmm. the object is if we can stop teenagers, we can stop a great, a great bit of suffering within, um, within our community Absolutely. because they have the chance. Um, if they go into the program fully, uh, that they have a high degree of never reoffending uh, because they still have the ability to change. Adults, I'm afraid, don't. Mm. So that's where I got involved with it. And I've been with sex offenders now for 12 years. And um, they're all between the ages of 13 to 19. Um, in the group is right around 7 to 15. We've gone a little higher than that. Uh, the group that I run is called Hope. Um, and the boys uh, 12 years ago picked the name uh, because it was called Sex Offender Group. Hmm. And uh, they decided, can we call it Hope? And I said, sure, what does it mean? Well, they came up with this wonderful, uh, ac- it's an acronym for Helping Others Prevent Events. Marketing wow. genius, marketing wow. genius, and that's just beautiful. Yeah. Then, and that that, that oh. it came from them. They're incredible. 
Jim, I have to they say, are, uh, uh, just for our audience' uh, sake, to really um, nail the point, you said this, but I want to punctuate yeah. it because you had said this in our small um, core mission team that you're really mm-hmm. the 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 front lines, but also the last line. If you don't succeed. If you don't succeed with these adolescents in experiencing transformation in their inner wiring, the way that they see themselves and members of the opposite gender, if that does not happen, then the stats show that they're lost. Now, we know God is always in there in transformation, but statistically, sociologically, and you expressed the heavy weight, if you will, on your shoulders as one entrusted with facilitating this process. So right out of the gates, folks, I want to invite you to just, you know, if nothing else, know we have with us somebody who truly is on the front lines and others like him that merit our earnest prayers and the, you know, the absolute importance if they, if this does get away from them, as you said, if they do, um, you know, if it carries over into their adulthood and marriages and society and all those implications. So, you know, everybody, this is an important uh, subject that we're dealing with here tonight. So, um, Jim, number one, you, you have a statement and you, we have a, a, a you gave us a wonderful pack of paper here and uh, mm-hmm. a number of testimonials from young people. You, of course, for confidentiality, we don't know their names or anything like that. And uh, feel free to weave any of that in here as we uh, talk okay. about this subject because it makes it really real and it is quite moving to hear some of these uh, testimonials. Um, but right out of the gates, pornography, you say pornography and objectifying women destroys love in males. I'm going to say that again, folks. And then I want you to maybe say some words about that, Jim. Pornography and objectifying women destroys love in males. Tell us about that. It, what I found is amazing is, is every one of the, of the young men that, that we have in, in the group um, use pornography. And that is like the number one thing that, uh, that actually gets them into into some sort of one trouble or another but i think the sad part is is it takes it takes our young men and um it literally um they they lose the ability to love mm. which is uh i find it absolutely amazing we've um, read articles that have come up and, and i believe you have one with you greg that have come through the media lately but uh, these young men that, that I see and other, uh, other people see every day, um, they'll talk about, about the fact that they, they, they lose the ability. It becomes um, what they see is all their objects, hmm. and they've completely lost their ability to love. And the sad part is, is that they're, they're going to go out and, and live lives, but they... They have difficulty, and they've said people have called him, you know, young men call back in the hands, kind of, of how difficult it is for them to start relationships because uh, they have a tendency to go back to uh, porn is is not real. But these young men, they don't seem to have the ability to understand this is not real, mm. and uh, when they when they get on the outs. And we, we try to tell them, we go over and over and over, that this is going to be more harmful, but it actually is the young men who tell us hmm. that, my gosh, this is what's happening to us. And um, it's getting worse and worse. And I'm amazed. I first had done, I always will ask 
write a paragraph about what you're having the most trouble with. <clears throat> and um, uh, I'm amazed. I, I'll add one thing that was taken from some of the things that you had. And it's young men written, my addiction began when I was eight years old. I was eight wow. years old. And he talks about using game consoles like PlayStations um, from my family. It allowed me to get, and this young man says, my fix. Eight years uh, old. Who knew? Eight. He said, who knew that the thing I loved would ruin my life? And um, it, it, it's funny because we don't, there's a lot of people out there maybe don't realize that game consoles, PlayStation, they connect up to the Internet. Right. And uh, it's amazing. Some young men can't handle math, but when you get them on a computer, it's amazing how they can find ways in. And... Um, uh, that is a, a very telling tale. The, what, what bothered me the most when I was reading all these to get this set up for you was the eight years old. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we assume it's it's going to be a teenager's, you know, in their 14, 15, mm -hmm, 15 mm -hmm. this is eight. And um, everybody can look around, look at their children, and if they have an eight-year-old, just think of what they could be getting into. Right, and, and I... And many times... Go on, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I just... You shared with us these um, testimonies in, the, in that one of the eight-year-olds. Another line that stood out for me was, he said, I ran away from friends and family just to watch something I didn't even understand. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. that hit me. Like, you know, these young people who are involved as young as that, they, they don't get it, obviously, but yet they're hooked and it just ruins them. As a um, portrait for our listeners, just to understand, mm -hmm. just a few stats for everybody, 95% of all teens are online. 78% own a smartphone. So, folks, these are we are a wired generation. This is not news. We know this. This is our kids. This is our grandkids. And anywhere they have access to the Internet, they have access to porn. Let me go further. 93% of boys... And 63% of girls view porn before age 18. 93% of boys, 63% of girls view porn before age 18. Folks, this is not like back in the 90s or 80s where it was the quote-unquote dirty old man who snuck in the, 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 you know, whatever, the establishment and came out with, with it in a bag or something. Age 11 is the average age one first views porn. Age 11 and the largest consumer group of porn folks, if you had to guess who that was and I gave you some age categories, I wouldn't have guessed the truth. And that is that the largest consumer group of porn are those ages 12 to 17. And just for our listeners' benefit, um, we are partnering with Covenant Eyes and I uh, really encourage you to go to Catholic covenanteyes.com catholiccovenanteyes.com to find out more about this reality and just want to make the note also while Jim is working with those who have if you will crossed a line and I want you to say something about that in a minute Jim um, we are dealing with you know this high percentage of people who are already involved and my wife and I who work with let's face it great kids from great families who go to mass it's those kids it's those kids who are shamed by it, they're struggling with it, they're addicted to it, and they don't know how to talk about it. We know these kids, we know the families, and um, we, we got to do something about, you know, helping them, you know, face this battle and cultivate this inner, if you will, uh, strength and, uh, and knowledge of themselves that will help them stay strong. So go ahead, Jim. Well, you know, there was something that, um, that was said here. 
And uh, if from that line, it said, get my fix. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk of drugs and, and, uh, and especially the horrible heroin epidemic that's going on. But people have to realize that this is a drug. Mm-hmm. This is flat out a drug. Um, these young men have talked about when they, uh, about they have to get it. This isn't the first time I have heard this that it, they'll go to any lengths and they'll store things up so that they can, um, they can basically get their fix. And that is actually frightening because, um, you know, you hear about older men that will sit in front of a computer and it will be hours. There's a destruction of a family. Mm. How about a young man that really should be involved in sports and involved in this and that and then turns his time to this and he's doing a lot more damage as time, you know, as, as time goes on. And, right. it, and it struck me also in these testimonies that you sent us that, you know, um, one young person had shared just stealing any way, anything, mm-hmm. any, any, anything to get money um, or to was stealing phones and iPads and whatever devices just to be able to get that fixed, as you said. Jim, tell us a little bit about, oh, if you can, yeah. Yeah. about the uh, the whole sure. dopamine thing, the whole, I mean, you say it's a drug, and we know that it has yeah. clearly the appearance of, of a drug, uh, but you're, you're meaning, I mean, there's a literal sense of that also, in that the body yeah. releases a chemical. Tell us about that. Well, it, if, you, if you know how the kids, they will use, uh, they will use a drug, marijuana or whatnot, and they will get that, that high feeling, uh, these young people, it, it is the same effect. Uh, it affects the dopamine in their brain. And um, the, the interesting thing about this, and, and the young men in, in my program have said this time and time again, it, what's, what affected you today and, and got you um, the pornography today, you can't use tomorrow. You mm. need more. It's scary. And so it actually follows exactly like a drug does. So what you got turned on by... You have to have more, and and the, the sad part is is that it it turns deviant, uh, and or they want to practice out what they see, and who are they going to practice out on? They're going to practice out on the weak. Hmm. They're not going to practice out on the strong. Right. They're going to out on either family members or neighbors or this. It's not like. Um, you hear about it, and so many times uh, we kind of want to sweep it. You know, oh look what happens that happens next door. Well, if this is happening at eight years old, and they know how to get to it, you mean to tell me that they're not telling each other um, how to get a hold of it? Right. And um, I think that's the sad part, and it literally affects the young people as if they were taking a drug, mm. and. Um, um, their effect afterwards is is just um, there was one that I, I pulled because I remember Deviant Fantasies was one uh, and he had after using this over and over he said I developed the negative resulting in my Deviant Fantasies mm-hmm. and you cannot have these fantasies because then what is real what is love that goes down the drain mm-hmm. and what do you have left. Um, you have to get more of this. 
And the last people they probably uh, are talking to is probably uh, people they're close to in their family. They're telling their friends. Right. And their friends are are thinking and doing the same things, and that's, that's, uh, very, that's very damaging as time goes on. Jim, and, you know, um, Jim, you know what surprised me on a personal level was our, our boys are involved in sports and whatnot, and one of our high school sons um, would come home from basketball practices and was just stunned at the casualness of these young men talking about their porn whatever you want, experiences and like no shame, no hiding anything, no, um, I mean, they, it just was a casual conversation and I'm sure sharing, you know, different pointers of where to go and, and whatever. And it, it struck me how much that has changed. And like you said, they're not talking to their families about it for sure, but they are sharing with each other in such a casual way that that is so scary that they're desensitized to any sense of shame or any wrongdoing or um, the fact that there's anything wrong with it. So there's yeah. this great quote that we like to um, repeat because uh, often folks who may be listening, tuning in, you're not into any kind of Christian faith or whatever. For whatever reason, we do invite you to come back and check it out again. But anyways, um, you may think that this that this is just resting on the shelf of faith, that the concern with pornography and the influence on the soul is just something that is a preoccupation with those Catholics who it's all about sex and that sort of thing. Well, the April issue of Time Magazine, if there were any questions, put them to rest because it was entirely from a secular perspective, and uh, it was on porn, and the, the byline was, why young men who grew up with internet porn are becoming advocates for turning it off. And those pages, I encourage our listeners to go there and check that out. What you find is that that capacity for intimacy, that glue that God gives us to really make him known uh, by fidelity sacramentally with the member of the opposite sex is eroded when we subject ourselves to this fantasy realm. Uh, not only the objectification of women in it bad enough, but it affects our inner wire when we talked about that. And uh, so to make the point that Chesterton made, we can't so much break the law we can only break ourselves against it. It's a powerful statement. We can't so much break the law. We can only break ourselves against it. And, of course, the facility that you're working at, Jim, is not a Catholic facility. You're dealing with no. and probably see the validation in God's wonderful design for man and for woman and the importance of fidelity. So tell us a little bit, Jim, as you encounter these men, when they, young men, young boys, when they come into your facility, you know, how do you approach them? How do you lead them on a journey? Well, we, um, when they first come in, they're, they're, in, they're incredibly difficult to deal with because we have, and we have certain processes we go through and, and, um, they get assigned groups. And of course, um, they're already, they already know that they're going to be in our group because I have, uh, along with another uh, man, have interviewed them before they come to us. So I'm very straightforward with them. It's like you cannot, you're not going to come here and think that you're not going to hear things. Uh, it's not going to be pleasant mm. and you're going to have to do work. And uh, m most of the young men have an attitude, uh, no matter where they come in, is they are, um, they're above it. Uh, they have absolutely no accountability, and I find that if if you would see the the young men who are first walking our doors, 
and the ones who leave, um, that is key, mm-hmm. is to sit there and say, um, I am responsible for wow. this. Uh, we make every young man do something they absolutely detest. It's called a committing offense. What we have them do is we have their files, and we know what they've done, and they have to write, in their own words, uh, what they've done, what their feelings were, and uh, how it affected uh, those around them. Wow. Now, it's, and the, the hardest part they have to do, they have to give it to a group, and that group are, are sur- I call them survivors. They're survivors, mm-hmm. and they know how to judge that young man. Um, we run the group, but you can see holes right through what they say. And they have to pass in order to move up in the program. And it is just absolutely amazing if you hear uh, some of these testimonials. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll add one thing. I remember one that stuck in my mind is from years ago. He had done he had done his committing offense, and it was he had um, offended his sister. And not once, he had offended his sister many times. And when he sat there and he told this, and he was giving all this, uh, he sat down and he started to bawl. He started to cry. And he looked up to the whole group and he said, it still gets me every time, Mm. I, I can see it in my head. And he said to the whole group, how can we do this? Wow. And, uh, you could hear a pin drop, um, and nobody said anything. It was 15 minutes later. Nobody had said anything. This young man was crying. We gave him some Kleenex. And um, I will always remember that because that young man, I knew, got it. Mm-hmm. He got it. He became accountable that moment. And I'm not saying he was perfect. He's been out of the program for quite a while. But uh, still we can't continue this. I can't continue this. You can't continue this. And I tell you, if you want to be judged, be judged by somebody who has done the same thing you have. It is overwhelming. Wow. And um, hmm. so that that is one of the one of the keys of our program. And I tell you something, it's worth its weight in gold. Hmm. Um, because none of them want to do it. Wow. And most of them get boxed around pretty good, but when they get it right and everyone says you're, you're a success, now you can give it to your family, they have to give it to their family again, too. Wow, um, wow. You, I, I wish I could take a picture at that moment um, because at that moment, all of a sudden, these young men have said, we can't do this. We can stop in any way we can from this going on. Um there's a lot of, after that, there's a lot of things that we give them as kind of pocket things that, that they know they can keep for the rest of their lives, like um, knowing what their triggers are, keeping uh, keeping that on them. That is a great knowing idea. That, of, if I could pause yeah. you a second, just that idea sure. alone, and I can only imagine what you mean by it, but of course, in everything you're saying, I see the analogate to our Catholic faith, and triggers may be avoid the near occasion of sin. Um, just the wisdom to recognize what are those circumstances 
that we get ourselves into that might lend themselves to that. In the old days, it was, you know, Steph and I worked with young teenagers and formed them for teams. And we would say to them, you know, if you think you're going to be down in the basement with your girlfriend or boyfriend in a dark room watching a movie and you're quote unquote, just going to watch the movie, don't kid yourself. Mm-hmm. As I say, if you're in the barbershop long enough, you're going to get your hair cut, you know, p- pick your analogy. But, uh, you know, which of us um, do not need to, uh, in our own life circumstances, have, if you will, the awareness of triggers? I think, I assume that that's what that's all about, and to have a context mm-hmm. of support and accountability. Tell us about triggers. And well, uh, triggers are are different for each young man. And um, I'll fill you in on a trigger that I found very interesting. That it, it, to me, it didn't it didn't register, but it does now. <clears throat> uh, the young man had gone home. He had worked his way through the program, and they start to start making home visits. And uh, he came back, and he he didn't want to tell me, because either one way or the other, I'm not sure. Either he didn't want to disappoint me, or he thought that I would I would get mad at him. So he spoke to another counselor, and he said, "I mom has to remove the um, um, the computer." the computer desk on the second floor. Interesting. And, it's like, and that's what I said, because I'm like, okay, uh, what do you mean? And he said, well, I would watch pornography before I raped my brother. Mm-hmm. And that's where I watched it. I mm-hmm. told my mother I was doing homework. She felt safe enough to be downstairs. And I was watching it. And I knew what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And he said, when I came upstairs, now his brother wasn't there at the time, and he and they do not go back home if they have, if they've raped a brother or if they don't go home, they go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But he had stopped, they brought him back to, to show him the house. And he saw that and he says, mom, that's got to go. Wow. I can't, I can't see that. And that was a trigger for him wow. because he knew what he was going to do. And, um, I find it amazing. A lot are are average triggers um, that everyone can have. They get they get angry. They get frustrated. Um, they get excited about one thing or another, and um, then they, they it's a building of acting on it. Um, if we have any young man that acts real impulsively, they're dangerous. Hmm. If you have a young man that sees something and wants something. Um, that's hard to control, but most of the young men we get are ones that will, it'll build, and it will build um, real quickly, and then they'll act on it, but that's what he found, hmm. so everyone is different. I, um, I give them a book, um, a small book, a small composition book to keep in their pockets. I give them something else I'll tell you in a little bit, but this is a book, and in that book, it has what are their common triggers? Um, what are their high-risk situations? It also has um, a list of names. Who, who can you call instantly to get you out of a situation? Mm-hmm. And by situations, we, I can break that down into exits. There's, uh, and, of course, the worst is red. Mm-hmm. And if there's a red, they know that they're in danger of reoffending. And that list of people have to know that so that when they call and they say, you know, granddad, I need a lift and I need, I need one now, 
they know they have to drop what they have, take the serious, and pick up their grandson. Wow. And, um, and you know, um, I know I'm rattling, but I think um, all the parents have to realize they're the front line in stopping mm-hmm. this. Right. And to, to say that, oh, it's just pornography or it's just teenagers, you're asking for a problem. And um, a lot of the men I work with, uh, they think the same way when we're talking to these young, these young men. That, that, hey, we're role models. We have to act a certain way. And I don't care if you don't like my rules. These are my rules. Right. And um, You know, I have to say, Jim, um, as you're sharing that with us and speaking to this audience, which I think is great, uh, by and large, folks listening right now, very committed to their Catholic faith, uh, strongly ethical people wanting to make a difference. Wonderful. But, but here's an area of shame, right? This is an area that it's hard to fight because it's in the dark. Um, I mean, husbands yeah. aren't going to typically tell their wives. They're just not. They'll tell the confessor. But that's a great thing for forgiveness, and there's the grace in that sacrament, but it doesn't help them become transformed, that, that Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed inwardly by the renewal of your spirit. And good priests, I think, really help men in the confessional, you know, um, track that and really work it out and recognize, well, what are you consuming? You know, what's the media you're consuming? Yeah. How are you exposing your soul and your mind and your heart to these sorts of things? But to your point, I'm going to say most of our, our listeners know we're far from perfect, Stephanie and I, um, but we, you know, we have filters on our computers. Uh, we we you know, pray a lot as a family, both great formal prayer as well as praise and worship. We talk a lot as a family. We do this live it gathering guide, but in spite of all that, and we homeschool, so we're around them a lot. We have requirements for the computers, but I'll say even with all that, I, and I want to encourage men in particular to do this with your sons, and I know there's increasing incidents among women, but with sons, to say, how are you doing with pornography? And to set the stage with it by, you know, saying, hey, listen, guys, you know, there's something here that God designed. You know, he designed you to be visual. There's a godly good thing that you're going to be attracted to women. That's a God-given thing. And you're under attack. I'm under attack. You know, and I just want you to tell you, I'm on, I'm on your side. I am with you. I want to pray with you. And I want you to know I'm a voice, uh, you know, I'm an ear that you can share that with. Now, I know I'm your dad and all that, but, you know, share it with me. So I encourage uh, just kind of distilling everything I just said to men, have the courage to find the right time and place. And with your teenage sons in particular, just say, you know, hey, how are you doing with porn? And at the end of this, I can tell you, you know, my kids didn't have the epic challenges because of the the filters and that sort of thing. You know, you got YouTube and things like that, that I think are perhaps uh, just as malicious. Um, but then to pray with them, you know, Hey, I'm going to pray with you right now because you need that strength. We need that strength and we need to help each other become excellent because God desires it. So I'm just kind of tagging on the end of your, uh, strong, uh, challenge to, uh, to parents, especially let's face it, godly Catholic parents, that this is happening under the roof and we've got to, you know, we've got to sort of act on it. And if I could just add to that too, Jim, very powerful, your, your share, everything that you are sharing, but just the accountability piece, the power of accountability. And we live in a culture where there's little to none in most areas, but how important in transforming as you shared in this instance, you know, in, in this issue and, um, just echoing Greg's words also about parents. Um, so many are so lackadaisical, you know, it's not a big deal. They're just boys. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not as bad as, and I just want to repeat your challenge, Jim. Don't go there, parents. Don't go there. It is a big deal. As you said, Jim, 
parents, you are the front line. These souls have been given to you, to me, to usher to heaven, to give back to God. We are called to help them grow in holiness, that, that whole realm. And if we can't battle for them and their souls, who's going to do it? A final word, Jim, and then just uh, just please continue as the Spirit moves you to share with us. But I want to say to the parents, every parent, Catholic parents, prayerful parents, given the stats, given my experience personally, you need to presume that they are into porn, not just viewing it once in a while. You need mm-hmm. to presume that there is um, a, a heavy weight or I should say a weight, heavy weight, maybe not heavy, but a weight in their life, especially young men, that is drawing them, that merits your, uh, you know, pressing them uh, in an appropriate way without judgment or is going to cause them to shut down, but presses them to open up that door to conversation and for you to take, if you will, the appropriate action that you absolutely have to take, not just for them right now, but for the future. And and I might sound, um, I might sound heavy-handed, and uh, you go for but it, I actually Jim. don't care. Good job. I don't care if I do, <laughs> <laughs> because um, we actually, and I think I've, I've said this in group. Um, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this. It's like mm-hmm. um, if these young men don't um, don't follow our program, and they and they go out and then they reoffend. That is. I just don't find that acceptable. I don't think, I think people shouldn't find things acceptable. Right. And um, it's like we view it as a war, whether that is a good thing or not, but it's like uh, kids are changing and we got to change with them with, you know, what we're going to teach them. But the bottom line is still, um, they're still teenagers. They act like teenagers. And I tell you something that I found is amazing is when you have good role models, both of you are, and you can tell that um, with your kids. It's, it just sticks right out. That's missing. So we become their role models, which is um, I'm blessed to work with wonderful people who really care about, about helping teenagers. It- but... Jim, that is so evident with you. If I could just, you know, uh, you you can just accept the the praise for the moment here. But you, that is just so evident that you care for these kids, you care for their well being, you care for their souls. You want to make that difference, and um, that is just so powerful, such a powerful witness. So thank you for that, Jim. Jim, I'm going to ask oh, you a, a, a question and then just a little bit of a, a, a midway tag here, a little more than midway tag. Um, so just if you could, uh, in a moment, share with us maybe some success stories or how you see um, your work there uh, showing fruit and maybe even encouraging us in our homes to maybe do similar things. So before that, folks, you are tuned into Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. And uh, we're talking about porn to purity. Note it's not just about porn, this negative thing. Thing. It's porn to purity. There's an underlying God-given capacity, as John Paul II put it really well. The heart of the sexual urge is an urge to a completion with God. The heart of all of this is, an, is a God-given urge for himself made present in our humanity. And uh, there's something really good here, and I, I really point everybody to this Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's a passage that, in my opinion, uh, itself could become a, a life retreat. The last part of it is so that you will know God's good 
pleasing, and perfect will. So who doesn't want to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will? We all do, but the path is this. Number one, make yourself a living sacrifice. Your body's a living sacrifice, your spiritual act of worship. Number two, conform no longer to the ways of this world. Let's think about movies, radio, what we listen to, what we expose ourselves to, our conversation. Conform no longer to the ways of this world. Number three, be transformed inwardly by the renewal of the spirit in your mind and heart. Be transformed. When we're freed of that other junk, our hearts are still pining to be filled with something. Well, that's when we turn to the Holy Spirit through Scripture, obviously as Catholics, through the sacraments that fill us and bless us, the Psalms in a particular way that we're formed by these things, and all that so what? So we can know God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So my question, Jim, is what can you share with us about how you've maybe seen that transformation take place with some of these young men? Well, I, I, I shared one with you a while ago, and, I, and I'll tell it because it's still, um, it, you're so happy when things work. Uh, you know, um, in, in everyday life, you see a lot of failures, but when you see a success, especially here, you, uh, you don't forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, I give all the young men um, when they leave, um, and this actually came from my wife, which is, she is just a wonderful partner. Yes, she um, is. A hope medallion, and it's like a piece of pewter, and on it it says hope, uh, and that's really what our group is called, but I give it to them as a reminder of where they were, and, you know, that one second of maybe rubbing that might just be enough to push them out of a trigger or high-risk situation. Mm, beautiful. Because by looking at it, they'll remember where they came from. Mm. So it was Thanksgiving, and um, we get a lot of phone calls at Thanksgiving. Uh, kids that call back in, and they say, uh, thank you, you know, thanks a lot. How are, how's everybody doing? Are the staff's still there. But I had one young man that called in, <clears throat> and he said, uh, call me back. I'm working. Can you call me at night? And uh, I happened to work on Thursday night, first Thursday of the month, and I did. And he said, well, your little medallion worked. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I had been in a bad situation. Things had gotten worse. I didn't call. I stopped seeing my counselor, mm-hmm. as you see how things can build. And he said, um, I... Uh, I had a game plan, and it was with, I think, I believe it was somebody at work. Anyways, he had changed his clothes, and when he changed his clothes, out fell the Hope Medallion. Wow. And he said, he looked, (laughs) Mm. it gives you tears, kind of. Mm. It it does me, I can't. Uh, He looked down, and he picked it up, and he called. Now, the first phone call was not to me. But it doesn't matter. We're kind of like uh, Denny's. We're open 24-7, and uh, somebody's <laughs> going to answer that phone. And uh, so I finally got, when he finally got a hold of me, he told me the story, and he said, that stopped me. Mm. He said, one, one, one piece of goodness stopped me. Wow. And, uh, you wow. know, we all were crucifixes in my house, and Many times throughout the day, I pull it out and I kiss it because it's like, you're running the show now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, wow, awesome. that was like, it worked, mm. you know. It was like Trenda came up with the idea and it worked. And mm. um, uh, we've had other ones call it at Christmas that are, they're not 
it's not perfect for him. Um, there's one young man who's, who uh, lives way out, way far away. He had been doing well for seven years, and he had he had um, uh, been going to counseling. He, and it's an ongoing process, and they all know this. But he goes to his new girlfriend's house, and he sits down, and the uncle, her uncle, looked at him and said, are you that rapist kid? Wow. And um, he got up, and uh, he called me, and it was the day, like three days after Thanksgiving, and I said, well, uh, are you? I asked him that. Are you? Wow. And he said, yes. And I said, then don't confront him. Um, this is going to haunt you because this doesn't change. You are always a sex offender. That does not change. And you will be. That's why you have to watch what you do and watch what you get involved with. But whether or not you're going to return to that house, that's up to you, but you have the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, he did. Wow. And um, to me, that is... Um, and you know something? They do call. Mm-hmm. Um, they get mad at me sometimes when they call because a lot of times I'll say, <clears throat> are you in trouble? Or I've already said, are you in jail? You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it, you hate doing that, but it's like usually somebody calls, they're in, they're in trouble. But many, many of them will call and say, I just wanted to tell you, it is so many years since I've been there. Wow. I have this going on. I'm going to school. I'm working. Um, and I just wanted to make sure everybody knew there that it works. You know, and Jim, there was... That is... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to say... Uh, I really think that uh, the Catholic Church in particular of late has been attuned to what they call the wisdom literature, you know, Stephen Covey, Maxwell, Collins, um, realizing that it's no longer enough, if you will. I mean, Jesus, his real presence truly is the source and some. We get that. We also know 75% of people no longer go to church anymore. And uh, and we got to be attuned to some of these human dynamics, the way the human beings are wired. And um, one of the great truths that uh, many that, that had really struck me was in a book, Good to Great, by Jim Collins. And he talks about the Stockdale paradox. And he takes it from Admiral Stockdale, who was a, a concentration camp, you know, a prison camp uh, survivor. And uh, he, he said, why did you survive when the others didn't survive? And Admiral Stockdale said, well, really two things. Number one, I had a strong confidence in a good outcome. I had hope in a good outcome. But he said, number two, you got to deal with the brutal facts. And that's what you kind of shared right there. Uh, and I'm hearing you say that boldly, that, that folks, um, you know, this is not just for these young men uh, as, a, as a, if you will, uh, a way of success, a, pa- a plan of success. This is in um, our own call to, to be um, transformed in Jesus Christ. Certainly the sacraments, certainly prayer. It is that grace that, that is the lifeblood of us. But we got to cooperate in some of these fundamental dynamics that I'm hearing you say. Number one, accountability. That you are, you know, right, that you're writing it and expressing and taking ownership for it, that we're structuring these landscapes for success, that they've got a plan, that there's something that they're working out as a number two. You know, do we have a plan, folks, with the stuff that we need to be transformed? Do we really have a plan? Number three, do we have a mentor? 
or somebody who's going side by side with us, who's going to hold us accountable, who's going to encourage us, who's going to challenge us. Uh, you know, I've always been struck, even with the Alcoholics Anonymous, which is by and large a, a tremendously successful program. You know, you're talking about some of these features here. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I think we just need to name it right now also that in this culture, these kids, much less adults, are up against stuff kind of alluded to it, an entire culture that says act on impulse. If it feels good, do it. You, you know, you define, you know, whatever marriage or sex or whatever in a way that best fits your sexual impulse. In fact, we'll try to carve out the whole world around you. And oh, by the way, we're going to pay for it. We're going to make the consequences of that possible. And, and we're depriving people of the dignity that God gives them to know that they've been given strength. I mean, it must be awesome, Jim, for you to see these young men discover, for lack, you know, the Catholic word virtue, to discover a goodness in them and to discover that, you know, that is a truth of their nature. And oh, by the way, they can take steps in virtue and become excellent. That's got to be exciting. Oh, it's, um, we've learned, we've learned one thing early on, and, and this is, this is very good, I think, for everybody to know, is that, um, these young men are good. They've done bad things. They have bad, you know, they got to change that, but they're not evil. They're, they're good. Mm. And everybody, when they're in this situation, are willing to paint them like that and then walk away. You cannot do that. Mm. Uh, we make them realize you're accountable, you're responsible, but you also are, um, you're made in God's image. You, um, you have to, to go on with this. Uh, and the ones that call up that have the troubles, I think they're the ones that touch all of us. Um, because you will have people that, oh, you know, I've been a success. But the ones that have gone out and have been challenged and yet are able to say, I've gone through it. I've worked through it. It works. And I've, I've stuck to my values. Um, they just they make you don't not mind going to work on uh, whatever day you have to, mm. no matter how you feel, because it's worthwhile. Mm. And that's the way I feel mm. it anyway. Jim, we, we thank God for you. We thank God for our friendship and um, what he's doing uh, in our, of course, our core mission team at St. Peter's and our hopes for that entire parish to experience transformation. Uh, we're excited about what you're doing in, in your work there. And, um, and your beautiful marriage to Trent. Absolutely. He was also a counselor. So it's great that you guys are, are kindred there with that and uh, understand uh, what you're dealing with. And um, we're going to take, in one moment, we're going to take a moment in prayer, Jim, as we usually end. We're going to lift you up in prayer. And then, of course, we have folks who share prayer requests on Facebook. So we're going to end that way. But if in a minute or less, is there anything that you feel is most important that just absolutely needs to be said? Um, I would think that uh, you cannot uh, you cannot give up on these young people, and you cannot give up on your kids, no matter what happens. And you have to you have to watch what goes on. And I know that um, because it's amazing how quick things can happen. And actually, everybody's kids are are worth millions, Amen. and uh, we should start treating them that way. So. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's uh, close this and really not just close, but perhaps a better word is open it all the more to a new uh, new avenue of grace for all of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Dear Lord Jesus, you loved us so much that you became flesh and blood. You took on our human experience, Lord. You took our sin. You took our sin upon the cross, Lord God, so that we could uh, come to you with confidence and know that you, in your in your power, in your grace, poured forth, could conquer these things that afflict us. And these young boys and young men uh, that uh, Jim in the past, present, and future has interacted with, will interact with, and those that are with him, we lift them up to you, Lord. We claim them for you. We ask for your anointing in their minds and their hearts that you protect them from the work of the enemy. And in a very particular way, just every single face and name that Jim now pictures in his mind and heart, we claim them for you. We claim their minds for you. We claim their hearts for you. We claim their desires for you. We claim their memories for you, Lord. We claim their sin for you. We claim their their families for you, Lord God. We claim those, Lord, that they have uh, afflicted, if you will, that there'd be healing, Lord Jesus, as a result of our praying right now in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your blood, let it pour forth from your celestial throne. We ask this, Lord Jesus, with with confidence. And that we who are listening right now, Lord, might recognize that we're called to the same battlefield. That you've given us this capacity for love that the enemy perverts. Each of us in different ways, different degrees, we renounce the work of the enemy. We renounce his lies, his deceit. We avail our hearts to you, Lord God. And uh, we pray for an ever deeper transformation that would allow us to all the more aspire and live in this great intimacy that you call us to with you in you and through one another and lord we also on this night lift up these intentions lord Gigi prays for an end to all violence war terrorism and especially for an end to abortion robert we join in praying for continued healing for our sister yvonne Rita lifts up Emily, Michaela, and the rest of the focus group traveling on a mission trip to Uganda. Um, They will be flying out on Thursday. May they journey safely and be excellent witnesses of God's love, mercy, and peace, impacting all they encounter with your presence, Lord. May their path be straight, and may they be Mm -hmm. protected from hardships. Send your holy angels to guide them and to guard them. Yes, Lord, we join in the prayer of both Steve and Lorna. Uh, Just for the beautiful hearts, we first of all thank you for them. We thank you for their marriage. We thank you for their family. We thank you for how you make yourself known through them. We join in the prayer, Lord, for continued healing uh, in their family, Lord, uh, their extended loved ones, that you pour forth your healing and grace upon them. We join Carol in lifting up Tim, a 53-year-old father of four who has stomach cancer and uh, just very much struggling. So, Lord, we ask you to make your faithfulness known to him and his whole family. And also, with that same prayer, Lord, our brother Bob and Abby and their family in Little Flower Parish so blessed to be united with a large community praying over him a few days ago praying for a complete healing of his stage four cancer right now lord jesus we pray for continued outpouring of your spirit on him that you heal him and uh, also my uh, classmate brother augie who also has stage four cancer lord we do pray for an outpouring of your holy spirit we pray for healing upon him that their cancer would be healed Lord, you who are outside of time, a retroactive prayer for Elizabeth um, for her second steps of her boards, which would have taken place by now. Lord, we join in prayer with Nancy. Uh, She says she has something happening very important this coming Friday. 
uh, ask for prayers for her kids and um, that God blesses them with peace, comfort, and joy through it all. So, Lord, you know what's on the heart of our sister and their children, their family. We just pray, Lord, for your will to be done and for them to experience your loving arms surrounding them. We join Kathy in lifting up our dear Bishop Thomas and all of our priests, Lord. Protect them, strengthen them, um, be their source of everything. We join in prayer with Stacy, who asks for prayers for her nephew. Again, we've been praying for this young man in Erie, Pennsylvania, a wrestler at Cathedral Prep who uh, had a serious injury a couple weeks ago. Lord, we do pray for complete healing of Ian. And that the community rallying around him, Lord, by virtue of the miracle and prayer, would be all the more aware of your great dominion in their lives. Pat also lifts up Augie and his family, her grandson Patrick, in a very special intention. We join in prayer with Sharon, who prays for his son's serious mental health issues. And Lord, all of those right now who are afflicted uh, mentally, emotionally, Lord, we, we lift them up to you. We claim them for you. We ask for your healing hands to be upon them, Lord God, for transformation. And Lord, in all of these prayers, all of these prayers, Jesus, we do pray that you make us mindful, that you may make us answers to the prayers, that you make us aware of the ways that you call us to be your hands, your voice, your presence to them, Lord, in every way. And we ask all of these things in your holy name through Christ our Lord. And we, and we do unite in the, this powerful prayer of St. Michael for Jim in particular and all those who work with him. St. Michael the, the Archangel, Archangel, defend, defend us, us in, in battle. battle. Be our, be our protection, protection against, against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, through the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all, and all the evil spirits who prowl throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for being with us. We'll be with you next week. Take care.